Hello and welcome to the Unpruned podcast. My name is Sarah Brown and this is a series of garden organic interviews where we let our guests chat at length on a subject which is close to their heart. You may have heard them speak in our monthly episode, but here we give the full interview. Often the topic is too important or too riveting for us to press the edit button. In gardening terms, you could say we're happy to leave their words unpruned. Our guest this month is Tony Kirkham. Tony is head of arboriculture at Kew Gardens, or as Chris calls him simply, Mr. Tree. In this chat, the two of them explore Tony's work at Kew and his years of traveling around the world tree collecting and preserving our vital tree heritage. And if you're thinking of planting a tree yourself, Tony goes on to explain the best way to go about it, as well as giving helpful tips on pruning. But before we start, I'd just like to thank our sponsors, Viridian Nutrition. Viridian produce a range of award-winning ethical and organic supplements, which include vitamins, minerals, herbal oils, and balms. I love the way they call themselves the vitamin company with an organic heart. Their supplements are stocked in over a thousand specialist health stores across the UK. So to find out more, visit viridian-nutrition.com. I'll spell it out for you in case you didn't catch it. V for Victor, I-R-I-D-I-A-N-nutrition.com. Right, it's a big treat for me today. I'm uh, the Royal Botanical Gardens Q, one of my favourite gardens, and I'm here with my old gaffer, Mr Tony Kirkham. Yeah, how are you doing, Chris. Tony? I'm, I'm really good, Chris. It's always good to see you. Yeah, it is. You're looking very well, I must say. Likewise. I mean, so it's quite a strange time for you then, isn't it, really? Probably one of the most strangest years I've ever worked in. 42 years. Last week I started at Q. Wow. And, and of all those 42 years, this has been the most bizarre, with COVID, with lockdown, with the weather. Uh, I think it's probably one of the most challenging times for any any gardener or any horticulturalist growing plants but you know Chris I don't have to tell you we are very flexible people (laughs) in what we do and resourceful and we always we always get through and every year is different and every year is a challenge and everything we do is a challenge especially in the 21st century so we will get through yeah you're very adaptable and also you've mentioned the 42 years of course you that's a vast experience, isn't it? So you kind of learn to read things and know what's going on and yeah. you can look at the plants and tell tell what's happening. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about climate change and people say to me, is it really happening, you know, but it, it, over a long period? Well, I don't think 42 years is a long period in, in growing trees mm. because they've been around for millennia. But I've seen an incredible change in, in weather patterns, which has made us change our horticultural practices. And, you know, it, it gets more and more challenging for trees. That's a, that's a really interesting point. So... It's the, it's the seasons you've seen change, do you think? It has, and I, I call it seasonal change rather than climate change. Right. I think we, we used to get, you know, when we were nippers, we used to get four distinct seasons. Mm. Autumn started and then ran, and we had autumn colour, horse chestnut fruits for conkers, etc. And then autumn finished to a day, winter started, hard frosts, snow... And that would have been in like November, the end of November. Yeah. I always remember guarding my bonfire for bonfire night uh, against red in marauding, marauding gangs. And it was cold. You know, <laughs> if you were staying out late, it was always cold. You know, now that doesn't really start until end of December, January. If at all, really, in London. If, if it, yeah, we're yeah. just not getting that. Yeah. And, and then winter, so autumn and winter merge into one. And then spring starts and you think it started and it hasn't. Then it has, then it hasn't. And before you know it, you're in summer. And so I, I reckon we're into two seasons now rather than four, which is very challenging for, for gardeners, for horticulturalists. And, and it confuses everything. So 
the other day I was out in the Arboretum and there's a cornus, Cornus cusa chinensis, flowering, normally flowers in May, full flower. Wow. Not a second flush, it's in full flower. It must be so mixed up and confused. So I suppose in a way, yeah, it's, it, they, they're opportunists, aren't they, plants? So if they, they sense are. they can flower heavily, they'll flower heavily. So they're reacting right. to the weather in a way. They are. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the first day of, uh, I remember the last, first day of autumn, the official first day of autumn, I was in shorts on where a lot of my yeah. just felt like, it was like 26 <laughs> degrees. And I, I wasn't complaining, but it's obviously not good, is it? <laughs> no, it's and then not. And it kind of brings me to my next question, because you're in charge of 14,000 trees. So, that's that's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. a lot of trees. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, obviously those will stem back quite a long way, planted over a yeah. lot, lot of time, but you'd have yeah. been personally involved in quite a lot of them so if you were going to you know say say a, a, a month in your job what is your sort of typical day I suppose is quite a good question and, and the beauty of my day Chris is or, or my job is that there isn't a typical there's never two days alike but you're right I've got 14,000 trees that's just a part of my job uh, of that about two and a half thousand different species from all around the world I spent uh, 25 years of my career at Kew plant collecting, so going out to Japan, China, Taiwan, Russia, North America, Chile, looking for plants to bring back and, uh, and plant at Kew. And the, the initial catalyst of that was the storm in 1987, which mm. we've all forgotten about. You know, yeah, it seems like a long time ago. 33 years ago, you know. <laughs> and uh, so rebuilding, that, that, a big part of my job was rebuilding the Arboretum. But, you know, I have about 60 staff, students, apprentices. I have £1.3 million worth of machinery, horticultural machinery and equipment that I'm responsible for. Green waste recycling in the yard, so... You know, making compost, supplying compost, cutting grass. You know, a massive, massive. You've job. kind of kind of got the um, that basic the, the, the amenity horticulture, making sure things look good for the visitors. Absolutely, yeah. the plants take yeah. care of. But on top of that, you've got your travelling. So, what, if yeah. you go travelling, is it or seed collecting? Is that mainly what you're it's doing? Mainly uh, seed collecting. So, so we know what we want because most places have been well documented, particularly temperate trees, and uh, and we know what our weaknesses are here. We know the climate as climatic zones that we need to represent because it's pointless as collecting trees from really wet zones so we're looking for if you like ecological matching so you know preferably dry the drier areas of the temperate world to represent those collections and and we we work very closely with host countries and uh, and we mount expeditions uh, and we have a list of what we'd like to collect. So you're working with governments and NGOs in these Abs- places. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, and that's the that's the only way. And networking and sharing. Right. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That was about gardens, isn't it? That we oh, we have an amazing ability to share information, and that's obviously very important. And I suppose you need a massive, really quite deep plant knowledge, tree knowledge, to be able to do that, don't you? You you need to know what you're looking for. Yeah. You need to be able to identify it when you go to the those countries uh, and you need to know how to grow it. And that's what I, I like to think that over the 42 years at Kew, and, and before that I was in forestry yeah. uh, and arboriculture, and, and that's knowledge that you, that you build up over those years. But you're so right that as gardeners, we, we're very good at sharing. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why we have the best gardens in the world. Because if, if you invite me to, over for dinner... Uh, next weekend I'm not going to come and bring a bottle of wine I might do yeah. uh, but I, I wouldn't insult you with a bo- you know a cheap yeah. bottle of wine but I'll, 
I'll probably bring you a plant. Yeah, yeah. For your garden. <laughs> and likewise, you do yeah. the same. And, and that's and a really nice thing, isn't it? It that is. is. I think that's very special. Yeah. You kind of get it in all walks, get it with trees, you get it on your lot, but people give you food. And exactly. You kind of yeah. like, and plants and that kind of yeah. hold it adage, isn't it? If you want to keep a plant, give it away. Then you yeah. can go and get it later. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's right. And, you know, from the, we learned so much from the storm in 1987. Never have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And if you can spread your collections around, that's security. So, you know, if, if we ever do have another storm like that, then since that storm, we've distributed trees from our nursery to many other gardens and collections. Uh, and we know where they are. And should we ever lose anything here, we can always go. And, and, that, and that's also, is that genetic as well? You look at DNA sourcing as well. I remember yeah. when I worked here, we did... Um, in, in Charlotte's Cottage, we were planting oak trees. They were all DNA genetically right. sourced from local yep. local oak trees. Is that yep. important to you? It is, and I and I think that uh, we you know we call that provenance matching. Mm. And I and I think that over the next decade, two decades, in order to build up a resilient landscape now, a treescape, which is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to look at climate. We're going to have to look at pests and diseases, and uh, and provenance will play. A more a more important role than it's ever played before. So it's almost like heritage seeds. You're looking for something that's localized that will have resilience to that immediate environment. Yeah, and you know, just think twenty, thirty years ago, we're looking at all these modern cultivars of tomatoes, of lettuce, of cabbage. You know, I always remember the first Brussels sprout that I learned at college was Thor, and it, we've probably gone a long way away from that now. Mm. And there'll be more modern cultivars, but now you start looking in catalogues, and Thor's back. <laughs> yeah, you know? right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's the same. You know, it's the same with you know all the heritage, the the net, the plant network, and uh, the the heritage garden scheme, the uh, plant scheme. Yeah, uh, where gar- you know gardens are growing one particular genus or even one species and representing all the cultivars of that. It's going to be so it's so important that we continue to do that, especially as we lose natural sources. Obviously, the deforestation. I mean, it's quite interesting mm-hmm. at the moment. Quite a big chunk of the world forest, world's forests are on fire at the moment, aren't they? Which is yeah. quite you know that doesn't yeah. necessarily get the headlines, does it? No, and, and you know we talk about tropical rainforests disappearing fast, but look at the temperate rainforests. Siberia, that's, Siberia yeah, yeah, yeah. is on fire. California's mm. on fire. Oregon, Australia's on fire. You know what are we losing? Yeah, we're in a perilous state. It's, 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 it's like in it. It's a library on fire, really. That's a great way to describe it because all of that source all that information the medicinal all of that goes into a forest doesn't it absolutely and and I when people ask me what is an arboretum you know what is Q why have all these trees I, I basically compare it to a living reference library so you can come and look, you can come and research, you can get information, but you can't take it away with you. So you've got to come to Q to do that to do that research, yeah. like you'd go to a reference library. Yes, yeah, so it is, I always refer to botanic gardens as living libraries. That's a they really are. good... They are. With, with plants, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it, the, big, the big question, really, in a way, is how is it translating out into the wider public? I'm very much involved in quite a lot of corporate, I suppose, tree planting. And yes. I always bulk a little bit at how badly it's done, and I wonder whether what your feelings on that. Obviously, there's this will there, but is it being done correctly? Do you think? At present, I, I get very frustrated with the standards of tree planting that we're that we're seeing, and, and not just from amateur people, but from professionals mm. as well. So we do, you know, lots of training, lots of courses here, and we hope that that cascades out. I'm writing. I've written quite a lot of books uh, with tree planting in. I'm just writing one now, about to come out, a new Q series. And it's important that we do as much training and cascading of information as possible. Yeah, I watch TV and I, and I see the way that trees are planted um, and how we're told to plant them. 
and and it's not you know it's not with the latest technology we're mm. still harping back to the olden days this is how we planted trees and and times have changed mm. and uh so i do get frustrated and and i and particularly with volunteer groups so we're seeing a lot of volunteer tree planting community tree planting mm. projects that maybe aren't quite policed and managed, yeah, supervised. So, I suppose that's t- two things going on there, isn't it? Is that you, where the skilled staff, the skilled horticulturists, are governing it? Yeah. And I always end up finding that I always say just plant whip because I'm not. I know there's no guarantee anything bigger than that. I just I don't think it's going to get watered the first year. I don't think it's going to get planted properly. Yeah. So you're just going for numbers just to hope yeah. that some of it pulls off. Whereas with a bit more planning. Yeah, we we could have a lot more woodland, I suppose, and because of the wheels there, people want to do absolutely. this. Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. We we lack aftercare. A lot mm. a lot of tree failure is aftercare, lack of. And you know, I always compare trees to people, and and we start in the you know we as people we start in the nursery. We go through kindergarten, nursery, primary school, junior school, secondary school, college, university. Trees are exactly the same. Mm. And all that discipline that you learn through those years builds you up to the big picture when you leave school and you go out into the wide world and you're independent. It's exactly the same with a tree. And in those early years, that's when we need to discipline them. And hopefully that discipline will pay off when the trees become independent. So those early years are so formative, aren't they? With, so with, Yeah, yeah. And if you don't get that right, it's funny. I was walking down through Palmer's Green the other day and there were seven big oaks you'd have cried. And they, I, put, I watched them go in at, um, last autumn. They've just not, they've got the kangaroo bangs on, I think they yeah, call them, and all yeah. that. It's just all gone. You, know? yeah. you just think, what? And they're big, heavy standards. They're not cheap. A lot of money. And, and yeah, you think yeah. how, old, how long they've been in a nursery and in, in, in one year they go... And you know what? Everyone thinks it can plant a tree. Everyone thinks it can prune. But actually, there's an art and a science to it. And that gets neglected because anyone can pick a spade up, dig a hole and stick a tree in. But actually, if you start to learn the, you know, the scientific principles behind tree planting... It, it's it's easy, but you've got to apply. You've got to know. You've got to know that. Yeah. We also, if you were speaking to say say someone I work with, I work with um, an energy company, and I do tree plant. Then what? Yeah. What would you say to them? Would you be your top tips for putting in a tree? Top tips for putting a tree in. First of all, good nursery stock. So we should be buying UK grown if possible. Uh, UK source, UK grown. The key thing is the planting hole, and I, we used to call them pits, and we called it a pit because it was deep and it was big and engineered. In actual fact now, all the latest science is um, wider, shallower. And the most critical part of the operation is planting depth. Most trees are planted too deep. Only an inch, two inches too deep will kill a tree. Right. And it's a long, slow death. No organic matter in the planting pit. You want the roots to penetrate the surrounding soil, the, the, is what you're saying. Yeah. That tree should be really healthy and at its most vigorous when you plant it. And if you put it in poor soil, it's got to go and look for water, it's got to go and look for nutrients. And that's when it can do it. If, if you put a tree in a planting pit, and you remember I said trees are like people, mm. we, they're la- they can be lazy like us. And if, if I give you an ice steak and chips every night <laughs> yeah. and you don't have to go and cook it and you don't have to go to the shop and buy it, you're just going to sit there and take yeah. it all in. A bit like being a spoiled kid in a way. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then all of a sudden I cut that off. I say, yeah. okay, I'm not going to give you... Where's my steak and chips? By then, you, you're too... You know, you, you've lost your muscle, you've lost your energy, um, and you don't... In, and it's too late to go looking. Mm. So it starts as you mean to go on. And also, by putting compost in planting pits, creates a sump and, a, and it goes mushy, no fibre there. So I'm a, an advocate of putting the organic matter on as a mulch at the end and the tree will take it down yeah. as it needs it. So whack down its taproot, get it strong, then it'll put out its fibrous. Put out its, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, its main thing will be anchor, 
So I'm I'm anti-staking yeah. unless you really have to. It'll it'll then anchor itself. It'll go and look for water, and then it'll go look for nutrients in those three in the order of those three. Yeah, and get it off to a good start, and it'll do all that on its own. And get it through that first season. You think for larger trees, if you get it through the first season, it's got more of a chance. Do you think definitely? That- and and. You know, talking about climate change or seasonal change, we're planting in autumn now, and people look at you, you know, your tree's still in full leaf. You know, surely you wait till spring. Well, the soil's warm. Yeah. It's dry, but we can get water on. The trees, the, the top will stop growing, but the roots will, will continue to grow. And they'll grow right through till Christmas now because the soil will be warm mm. enough. So that tree, come spring, when the drought starts... It's part rooted. Yeah. It's on its way. So it's got a stronger start in the in the spring when it starts to yep. fight the synthesize, etc. Yep. Again, it yep. means the roots are down. The roots don't stop. They don't yep. go dormant. The That's roots. right. Yeah. And and you know, going back, trees are like people, like children. When do children start school? September. Yeah, and that that's the process up to Christmas. <laughs> they're then, they're then ready for spring. <laughs> just compare tree. Just think about what you what you would do if yeah. you were a tree. And, that's uh, a good analogy because I think that out there, the people who don't have the technical knowledge, that they can they can get that. They can make that leap. Yeah. Talking the technical stuff though, I'm going to throw out a big word. Yeah. It, I see terrible pruning wherever I go. Yeah. It's really bad yeah. at the moment. I've never known it. I mean, yeah. this is in private gardens. Do you yeah. still compartmentalise? Do you still use COVID? Or, yeah. Do you want I'm, to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I, I'll not say I'm the expert on pruning, but I've written two pruning books. Yeah. I play around with pruning te- techniques here. Uh, I play, I've got a, a, a massive library of, of trees that I can experiment on. And we do now what we call target pruning. So we're looking at how a branch joins a branch. So we always, we always talk about a branch joining a branch and the branch that it joins is a parent branch. That can either be the trunk or a, a branch or a lateral branch, but branches always have an attachment point. Where they attach, we have the branch bark ridge and a collar. Mm. And within that area, it's what we call the reaction zone and the tree has an ability to compartmentalise, mm. to, to heal over, create like a, a compartment that will stop any decay or any organisms. So it's almost like dry, putting up the drawbridge almost. It, it is, yeah. 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 And it, it's like shutting off and saying, right, nothing can come past here. If we break into that zone, the tree can't do that. And right. then you've got the, the branches that will die back further. Uh, they don't heal over, you don't get any callus. And, uh, and and then the tree starts to go into stress mode and, and will eventually and die as well. Will eventually die. So, so by hitting those targets, we call it target pruning because if you look at a branch, you can see concentric circles for the age. So of we, I would branch. call that the Cambium Ridge. It's almost like a lump of bumps, is it? Around, it is, yeah, yeah, like a collar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and actually above the branch, on top of the branch, is a, a ridge of bark. Mm. It looks like a, a Fu Manchu moustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we call that the branch bark ridge. And it's imperative that you don't break into that ridge or the collar underneath. Right. So you always prune on the away the, from it. Away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the tree can heal over. You'll get a round cut, nice donut, and that's in a, a quick a quick explanation, if you yeah. like. Yeah. So, so I suppose yeah. in a way, if you are good at, for the listeners, if you are a bit unsure, if you, a good example, if you looked at a cherry tree, it always yep. has a really pronounced. Where the trunk meets the branch, yes. you see that ridging, won't that's you? Right. That's right. Yeah. That's a good way to identify yeah. how to get the pl- cut off any disease you've got in there. That's yeah. right. And yeah. always prune back to that. You know, don't be pruning back to a stump. Don't yeah. leave a tail or yeah, a stump. Yeah, you get snags and all Because that. that will eventually die back. Yeah. The tree can't compartmentalise behind that. And then that goes into the main branch, into the trunk. And before you know it, you've got decay. Right. So prune back to lateral branches. Prune back to a parent branch. Prune back to 
the trunk. Don't leave stumps. Yeah. And then yeah. if you do that, you then don't need tree paints. So right. tree paints are a thing of the past. Yeah, so you don't, because we used to paint tar on them. We sorts did, of and, stuff, it, and you're, you're right, Chris, yeah. it was all So we were, we were sealing in the disease, weren't we? We yeah. were sealing it in. And you're creating a microclimate behind mm. the paint mm. for everything and, and hiding a multitude of sins. Let the air get to it. And, you know, I, I say we, we compare trees to people, compare arborists to dentists. So we do everything we can. We do bracing. Yeah. We do cavity work. We do root canal work. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, and we can't do anything else, we take it out. And yeah. we put another one in. But we don't put false ones in. We right, you put it in a moon Because yeah. you do you look like you deal with compaction is one of the things yeah. you've pioneered as well, yeah. isn't it? When, yeah. when trees, obviously, street trees, because roots need oxygen. They do. So you, you relieve any sort of compaction. How would you go about that? Okay, so... Um, you're absolutely right. Tree roots uh, need oxygen just as much as the top. And I have a, I, I, I compare a tree to a wine glass, which you'll be used to, Chris. Yes, yeah, yeah I know. Okay. So, <laughs> so the goblet on top is, is the crown. Yeah. The stem of the glass is the trunk. And then that flat bit that, that stops the glass falling over yeah. is the root plate. And that's, in, in perspective and comparison, that's how thick the root plate is. So, for example, here at Kew, there are very few trees, hardly any, with roots deeper than a metre. It's about spread and and friction. And you can imagine that... And the reason for that is because, A, there's no water deeper than that. It goes dry. There's no nutrient, because the nutrient's in the top. And uh, and there's no oxygen. So the deeper you go, the more anaerobic the conditions. Right. And those tree roots need oxygen. And, it's, and also, I mean, they also forage, don't they, roots? They, do. they will they're, go off and look for, look for for nutrient yeah. that way as well. They're, they're, they're searching, and they'll, they'll go the easiest route. So if the soil's light and crumbly they'll get through that really quickly. If it's really compacted, then they'll really struggle. And yeah. people cause compaction. So, so if you were at home and you had a tree and you were a bit worried about that, would you just spike around it? Would yeah, that just, be... Just spiking it, either fork, with a fork. With a garden fork. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if you've got the uh, spiker from a, for, you know, for do aerate in the lawn, that's mm-hmm. good. But the other, the other good thing is mulching. Yeah, I was going to wonder whether mulch. And I help. love. I'm, yeah. They call me Kenneth. All, 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 us, all, like, us, all us organic gardeners love a mulch as well. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all you've got to think about is where trees come from. And you know, I could say, you know, to you, where do tree? I said to the students, where do trees come from? And they'll go, oh, Deepdale, Barchams, you know, and they'll rattle Hilliers. They'll rattle all the nurses off and go, no, 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 no. We're not buying one now. Where do they come from in the wild, in nature? They come from woodlands yeah. and forests. So people talk about fertilising trees. Well, I've seen trees 500 years old and they've never had a drop of fertiliser <laughs> yeah, in their life because yeah. God doesn't go around spreading fertiliser. <laughs> There's no osmocote in a... In a yeah. they, are, they, are, they are cannibals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They eat themselves and they eat other trees. So the cycle of life. It is. Yeah. And the carbon cycle, the nitrogen cycle. Mm. And so, you know, when they drop their leaves in a woodland... The, the, the worms, the mycorrhizal fungi break that down, the tree takes it down. Um, they drop a branch, that breaks down, it rots with the, the mycorrhizal Nothing fungi. Nothing wasted. Nothing wasted, it's, it's all eaten. And, and so what we're doing here at Q, and again, another area that we pioneered with decompaction was mulching. And basically, you, you know, you could just, we, we blow leaves under canopies now rather than raking them. So I don't rake any leaves here at Q. Yeah. We let the worms and the badgers do all that. And then rather than just leaving branches everywhere, so it would look really bad. And, and as gardeners, we, we like... There has to be some aesthetics to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we bring all the wood in here, we shred it, 
we chip it, we mix it, we compost it, and then we bring it back out and we put it around the base of trees. And basically, we're mimicking a woodland, ecological yeah. matching again. Another word that we use, which I love, is biomimicry. Right, brilliant. Okay? Yeah. And so we're, we like to think we're fooling the trees into being in a woodland, yeah. even though they're in the middle You're of the You're creating those conditions for yeah. that. So that's psychologically that, yeah. 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 So yeah. psychologically, yeah, it's a light yeah. that. <laughs> psychologically, the trees are woods. thinking, I'm in a woods. I'm in a woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's what we're doing. And yeah. there's no fertilizer; it's just pure organic matter. Right. Mm. And I suppose the big. And this is quite interesting because I know you'll be right up on this more than anyone, you know. And this is the new um, range of P and D coming in. How do we cope with that? I mean, what's look? Look at the chestnuts at the moment yeah. and all this. Yeah. So that's a they're really big new challenges for you as an arboriculture society. Yeah. And and again, you know, forty five years ago when I started in uh, in arboriculture, growing trees. When I left school, there was one disease. Well, two. Mm. Honey fungus. Fire blight and honey fungus. They were the yeah. two, weren't they? Yeah. And then Dutch elm disease. Yeah. Right? So Dutch elm disease, everything went. And I thought, well, that's it. No elms. Who cares? We can carry on now as normal. So it, it, if you imagine a graph, it just ran a long level, Dutch elm disease, and then little blips as things come in. Yeah. If you look at that blip now, 40-odd yeah. years on, 50 years on. It's huge. It's it? vertical. So globalisation, do you think, is, is this is the reason for that, do you think? We're moving more stuff around? I, or? I, I think that's the key. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we, we bring a lot of trees in from the continent, and don't get me wrong, I'm not anti that, yeah. but there's, there's probably not enough phytosanitary and policing by security involved, and we've got to tighten... We are tidy up. Yeah. There is a lot, a lot of progress being made on it. But, you know, the best thing we can do if we're going out to buy a tree tomorrow is look for one grown in this country. Yeah, so localisation again, as we discussed earlier with the oaks and Charlotte yeah. Cottage. And I suppose, yeah. in a way, it, it's no chemical solution to it. It has to be no. done organically, doesn't it? It has it, to be it, done genetically, that's organically. That's the only way. And, yeah, and yeah. we're going to be the big uh, custodians of that. So, you know, we're responsible and we've got, to, we, we've got to make sure we do it. The biggest threat now for us is... Begins with an X, Xylella. Yes, everybody's absolutely feared of this, aren't well, they? I am. I, I, do you know, I think it will come in. It will, it will come into this country on an infected plant, right? Either from a nursery or from someone going on holiday and, and bringing it and back. Bringing a plant back. Yeah. You know, this year's been really good because there's not been any any foreign travel. You know, yeah. very few people on holiday. But the Earth's had a bit of a breather almost, doesn't it? it it's we've had a rest and a, and it's been quite reassuring that, but. That's how Xylella will come in, and, and we do not know. We've seen what it will do in Italy and Sicily and southern France, but we we don't know, really, the effect that it would have on this island. I mean, look at ash. Yeah. Who would have said that we would lose all the ash? Yeah. Mate. And we're, we're losing them fast. This year has been a It's been incredible. Thing. I was in Stammer up in Brighton where I used to, when I was an apprentice, and uh, the ash is wiped out there. Yeah. In there. I, was, yeah. I was shocked how bad it is, actually. Yeah. And, and this year it's become more apparent. Five or six years ago, I remember going out, and I... And I'd not seen Ash die back, and I was thinking, I, I, I must see it. Sometime. It almost felt like a bit of a myth didn't yeah, it, at the beginning. Yeah, 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 hearing all about it, and even I hadn't seen it. Now it's every ash tree has got symptoms of it, and, and I, I would think that the casualties this year will be very, Massive. very high. Yeah. And so I suppose to your listener, to, to you know your layman, I suppose, what, what tips do you give to them about make, to containing these diseases? Especially, well, obviously the big one is don't go to Spain and bring back an olive that yeah. you dug up. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Bi- biosecurity. You know, think about, you know, we now with COVID, we're washing our hands, social distancing. It's exactly the same with right. trees. So on a nurse, we, if we are importing trees, then they need to be social distance on a nursery. It's a form of quarantine. Keep them apart. Mm. Keep them there for 12 months. So not 14 days, yeah. 12 months. 
keep an eye on them, defer inspected, check them before they come into the landscape. And the big problem is when trees come in and they go straight into the landscape, no one's monitoring them, they're orphans from day one. Uh, and there's every chance that if they come in with a disease, that's going to run rife. Yeah. So it's about hygiene, it's about uh, biosecurity, about social distancing trees, and keeping trees as stress-free as, pro- as right. possible. So when we're plant- back to planting, get that water on in the first year. Don't wait for it to be saying, I need a drink. You know, be proactive and water it before it asks for water. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like, know, you know, keeping a dog. You can't ignore a dog, do you? Yeah. So you make it, when you plant a tree, have a look at it once a day. Yeah, that's, that's right. kind of, Why, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and we need to be planting more trees correctly. Yeah. Uh, and the, the great Chinese proverb, uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. The next best time's today. <laughs> yeah. Or so tomorrow. We should be constantly planting trees, basically. It should we not should. ease up. And we yeah. plant less now than we have done in, in the past, haven't we? So well, yeah, in the 70s, we had this big tree planting campaign mm. through the Tree Council. You know, what is it? Plant a tree in 73, plant yeah. some more in 74, then there's sticks in 76, you know, because <laughs> yeah, they get watered. Yeah. Um, so we need that kind of governmental drive because they talk yeah. the big game, don't they? But I yeah. often wonder whether how much it translates into reality. You know, that's, that's... I, I went to a. I've, I've been up in the north a bit this year with my family, and I remember going up onto the moors, taking my sisters to show them where the roots were because they'd moved, and you know. Uh, so I was showing in this area, and it was an area of white grass on the edge of moorland. And all you could see were acres and acres and acres of tree shelters. Mm. Now, someone has hit a lot of targets tree planting. Yeah. Most of the tree shelters were on upside down, so I went and had a look, and I didn't see one tree coming out the top of the tree shelters. Right. And those trees have been in there for about five years. Okay. It's, you know. So that means that's aftercare again, is it? Aftercare again, no beating up, maybe wrong choice, uh, wrong choice of trees right no weed control deer management yeah, like, yeah. you know all these things that, that you need to look after a healthy plant a healthy and, tree or we'll end up with a uh, you know acres and acres of scrubland not wood right so that whole, a massive op- waste waste of time the whole lot of but the targets were met yeah so basically so that when this is very governmental isn't it that you know we want 80 percent of this 20 percent of that and as long as that gets done yep. no one's looking at the detail that's yeah. what's happening so the target needs to be changed from tree planting to tree establishment right so so the numbers that are actually surviving is what we should be looking and, at and if we're saying we need we're going to plant a million trees a year or establish a million trees a year then we're not planting a million. We might have to plant five million yeah. to meet that target of right. one million five yeah. years down the line. So you, so it's like dense whip planting. We want to be overstating it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And following up. And do you think it should be all natives that we're planting? Do we, do we go no. to exotics or that? That's no, quite I, interesting. I, I, what what kind of yeah. trees should we be going for then? Well, the, the the worrying thing with with natives is uh, we have a very, as you know, Chris, a very small palette, which yeah. is about forty. And yeah. that includes a lot of subspecies and varieties. We've lost the elm. Uh, we're, we've, we've lost the ash. The next one's the oak, under a lot of threat from acute oak decline and, and various uh, boring insects, mildew, ex- squirrels, etc. So we've, I think, this is my view, we've got to be more, we've got to be braver. We've, we've got to be more daring. Right. And we've got, I think we've got to start introducing more exotic species into our trees. And that's space. because of climate change? That's because the, the, the seasons have changed? Seasons have changed. And a lot of the... Uh, native trees that I see planted today are what I call lollipop trees, short-lived pioneer species like birch, hawthorn, 
Rowan, Alder, short-lived. They're never going to make that big shade tree they're, like they're, the They're success in trees, aren't they, basically? They, they, they are, and yeah. that's what we need to plant. And I think we've got to be more daring, and we've got to start introducing more of those into our tree scale. Right, and that goes out to local authorities, or boricultural officers in local authorities. That's where we need to aim yeah. our, our fire, I suppose. National yeah. Trust. National Trust, for, mm. yeah, all the foresters. I mean, it, when you think... Um, we were planting Sitka spruce by millions a year, yeah, and, yeah. and they're making they've made big plantations. Yeah, they're all exotics. I'm not saying that Sitka spruce is the one to plant. Yeah, but I th- we've got to look at a wider palette. We've got to look at yeah. a wider palette and and integrate it with our natives. You yeah. know, so not just pure exotics, but. We've got to integrate it more to, to get that. Uh, so we're tweaking the ecosystem a little bit by introducing trees that are going to cope, going to cope and survive here. Uh, that's right. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Romans did it. Yeah. The Romans brought horse chestnut, the apple. sweet chestnut, mm. the apple, mm. walnuts. And they're good trees now for us. Yeah. And, but, and, and the sycamore. And, the, you know, the sycamore in the, you know... It gets down, a bit of grief, the sycamore. It does, it? and it's <laughs> unfair. It's one yeah. of my favourite trees. Yeah, yeah. You go into the north to the Lancashire Moors and you look at a farmstead or, a, you know, a small holding on the moors, the only tree that's growing by that farmstead and, and a big tree is the sycamore because yeah. nothing else can, can hang it. Because it's incredibly resilient, isn't it? Yeah. And I always yeah. think you get that mottled sort of bark on it's it, beauti- that exfoliating bark. And yeah, it is. Yeah. Once it's up and going, it's... It's, it's a know, beautiful tree in the, in the right in the and, right. And place. it's hard as nails, yeah. yeah. Uh, where yeah. I live, I'm up on the third floor and I get a tree canopy and you can yeah. watch them grow sycamores. Yeah. They, you yeah. know, I've watched them put on over yeah. a metre this year. Yeah. They're smaller yeah. ones coming up. They're, yeah. they're tough. And... Yeah. You know, uh, the, other, the other thing is as well, We, you know, trees have a use. They're, they give us all these benefits uh, environmentally and, yeah. uh, you know, providing oxygen, carbon sinking, uh, preventing erosion, runoff of water after floods, etc. So, you know, those are all the things that they provide for the environment. But we mustn't forget the other benefits like timber. Yeah. So if we're growing trees and we need a crop at the end of it, we've got to be looking at trees. That There's economic useful. benefits. Too. Yeah. So butcher's blocks were mm. sycamore. Uh, church pews were sycamore. It's a, it's a really clean white wood that's that works nicely. Uh, that timber millers like. So it has a big use, and yeah. also I mean, and just for trees as well, just keeping the dust out out of the atmosphere and a bit of shade on a hot day. So that's it, right. It's yeah. all year round, isn't it? Yeah. All round yeah. round. Yeah. Well, and, ton- sorry. Yeah. Just think about the average oak tree. You know, um, probably about a hundred thousand leaves on a on a mature oak tree. Mm. You lay all those out side by side. You probably cover a football pitch. That's like a solar panel. Yeah. Absorbing oxygen, uh, absorbing uh, carbon dioxide and the waste products oxygen that we breathe. So the average oak tree will support a family of four to five for a day on a, on a daily it's basis. A brilliant way to describe it. Like yeah. a, a, a natural solar panel is yeah. a really good way. And then cooling the air, yeah. cleaning it, mm. uh, and then that, that shade. And that, you know, we talk about uh, big trees again, shade trees. Those are the ones we're going to need in 50 years' time. If climate, if the if climate, it gets hotter. if it, it's going to get hotter, mm-hmm. and those are the trees we're going to need, mm-hmm. not your birches and your rowans, yeah. your hawthorns, you're going to need those big. Well, those, those trees. trees you said there, they were the ones that followed the thaw, weren't they? Yeah. So they like moist conditions, and they're they they're going to struggle. Do you yeah. think more? Yeah, and, and you know they they're the pioneers. They set the they set the scene. Yeah, prepare the ground, but then the successors come along. Your oaks, your ash, your elms. You know you. And, and they're the ones then that move in and take over and share Yeah, those. so that succession, yeah. that kind of follow-on, yeah. yeah. Well, there's tons of info in there. I'm going to 
wrap up just a little bit with a few personal things. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm always, this question always does, I get asked this a lot, it does me a yeah. little bit, but everyone always wants to know his favourites. Two yeah. things, favourite tree, if that's possible, because yeah. it's a hard question, but also where do you like visiting the most? Where, you know, okay. all these travels, is there yeah. a spot that you really love? Okay, favourite tree varies. Because uh-huh. it like things change, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and you know, depending on the season, but probably one of my favourite trees is a tulip tree. Really? I, I, yeah. You know, whether it, the, I love the North American one for its sheer size, uh, and it's it's a, it's like the sycamore in uh, in in North America. It seeds you know? all over the place. It's a yeah. weed, but it is a beautiful tree. <laughs> and do they can, to describe it in America? Do they get a lot big? Obviously, see them here. They get what twenty metres yeah. tops, or what do they I, get? Size I, I was in North Carolina last year looking at one, and someone said to me, "How old? You know, how old do you think that one is?" I said, "Oh." It's got to be three or four hundred years old, and then, and he went and he just laughed and he said, "It's not even a hundred years old." Really? So yeah. they get sh- oh, real really monsters. Fast. Yeah, and, and so when that's flowering, that must be something to behold. Oh, just imagine. Yeah. So you got that beautiful leaf, the flower, yeah, and then that autumn color, yeah, and and then the bark, silver bark, fissured. Uh, it's just a magnificent tree, and yeah. and I call that a hard working tree. So you know, if you've got to justify having a tree in your garden, it, you know, you've got spring. You've got summer interest, you've got autumn interest. All those characteristics, all those, yeah. The shade it provides. Mm, yeah. So I like hard-working trees, tulip trees. And there's only two species. The North American one's a good one, and I love the North American one, but the Chinese one's more elegant, And uh, but I wouldn't be bothered. Either or. Either, either or. or, yeah. And what about place? Where's Where have you... I mean, I've got... I obviously travel quite well, yeah. extensively like you, and there's th- a few some, some places in my mind yeah. that really stick out. Um... West Coast, North America. Right. Just um, for the sheer size of the trees, the sequoias, all the... Yeah. The, like, as, as it, the, the expression goes, it's like going back through time to the beginning when vegetation righted and the trees were king. Fantastic. What a saying. <laughs> I, I'm impressed, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is um, the I, heart of darkness, isn't it? That yeah. Is, yeah, the, yeah. The last place um, I visited, just before lockdown, actually, I got one of the last planes out of Canada. I went to Vancouver and then over to, over to Vancouver Island. I was doing some lectures there. And I added uh, a week on to go and look at big trees. So I was looking at big Sitka spruce uh, and big Douglas firs. Right. And it, it's just mind-blowing and humbling. And, you know, I'm walking through these forests, looking at these named trees, so the biggest uh. Douglas fir in the world. And you don't want to, I don't want to leave. No, you know, it's, just, yeah, it's overpowering it. almost. Absolutely, isn't it? I will yeah. say for the listeners, if you anyone wants to see some of these trees, you're very good on the Instagram, aren't you, Tony? I, I do, a lot yeah, of and Instagram. I, I, well, yeah. I see it, I see it quite a lot. Yeah. And, um, so there are some amazing photos on there. Yeah. I, I'll finish off with just like, you've got many an accolade, a deserved accolade, haven't you? But recently you got the big one, didn't you? You got the NBE. I so yeah. that must have been a big, big day. You had Mrs. K and the kids. And hey, the kids, that, yeah. Was that, a, was that a good day? Just describe that day for us. Well, actually, it was a good year, Chris, because I got the VMH and the RHS yes, in yeah, the spring. Yeah. And then in the Queen's Honours, New, New Year's Honours list, I got the NBE. And you know what you you never expect it. Mm. So when it when it when you get that letter, it, it's uh, quite an emotional thing, and you just think, well, you know that that's the one you want to tell your mum about, you know. And um, and we had a day at Buckingham Palace again just before lockdown. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, it's just an amazing thing, and you know that everything that you do is noted and, and worthwhile recognition you know? recognition I can yeah. see in your eyes how yeah. much it means to you uh, I'll be able to shed in the big day for you mate. <laughs> well I'll tell you what son it's an absolute pleasure I can speak to you one week mate no yeah. problem you know, I hope the yeah. people who listen to the Garden Organic podcast will get a lot from that conversation I really thank you very much mate Mr Tree definitely Mr Tree you'll always be that to me my friend thank you thank you Chris 
enjoyed this chat with Tony. I loved the simple image of a tree and its roots being like a wine glass. And I'm inspired to go out and get planting the right way, Tony's way. Don't forget to subscribe to our Organic Gardening Podcasts. Every month we have a new guest, plus helpful tips and advice on how to grow the organic way. Bye for now, and our thanks again to Viridian Nutrition for sponsoring this episode.